This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, that was brutal. That's about all we can say. See you guys. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, how much more are we going to have to say about one of the most brutal losses I've covered? And I've covered some brutal seasons for Illinois football. But tonight's 20-17 to loss to Maryland is one of the highest. I haven't gone through all the seasons and all the games. I went through some of them, Joey Wagner. But this was really, really tough to watch and tough to take. Illinois has a seven-point lead with five minutes left. And Maryland finds a way to not force overtime, but to win the game. 20-17, to 17, last second field goal by Petrino. Uh, as time expires, wins the game. But there was an eight-play, 86-yard drive to tie the game with 237 left, where Illinois' defense, which was great for most of the day, uh, just is a sieve. And then, or sieve, I should say. And then the offense with one of the worst executed drives I've ever seen. Joey, it's it's Illinois football can't get out of its way no matter who's the coach, no matter who's playing. It's just Illinois football finds ways to lose these games, and it's just tough to watch over and over again. And I, Brett Bielman's got a huge task in front of him to try and get this kind of stink off of Illinois football because this is this is just a brutal loss just to think about how Illinois could have felt going 2-0 in the Big Ten after the back-to-back losses to come back and beat Maryland based on your defense would have been huge, and then it just all crumbled uh, in the last five minutes. I'm trying to think of the moment that I knew, right? Like, at what point are you like, this is not going to be good for them? And I don't really know, right? Because I don't think the fourth-and-one punt was the moment. It was just really hard to know, and then it just smacked you. It was, I mean, there was no resistance, Jeremy, on those on the last drive, the 86 yards at Maryland. Look, Illinois' defense all game was a little opportunistic, but pretty solid. And then that last drive, it was Virginia in Champaign at night, right? It was it, it just nothing was working. And then the last drive, I don't, I don't know, right? What, what, what the hell do you say? They get a first down, and you think. Yeah, give it to the big boot. Give it, get, get in McCourt's range. I mean, they got a first. Sack, sack, intentional grounding. Blake Hayes is punting from the third row of the student section. It's over. At that point, it's, oh, it doesn't even matter if he gets a good kick on it. It's over. It, it's an act of God if it goes past the opposing 40. And either way, what has your defense done to indicate they were going to get a stop? I, I don't know, man. It, that was at, at the point you realize it and the point you realize that, wow, that's – we keep saying brutal, but it's gut-wrenching. It's heartbreaking. It's it's all of those things. And then now you've got this team that, for the third week in a row, 
has to wash the stench of a loss out of their mouth, and they're going to say the right things, right? They're going to say, you know, you put up to bed on Sunday or Monday. That's a lot of putting to beds. That, that is a lot of, of putting these heartbreaking losses to bed, and, and Maryland did everything it could to guide Illinois to the light. It did, and, and Illinois, just nothing, just, just tough. You asked what point did you know. I think it was the second sack Brandon Peters took. They, they took a sack. Okay, it's a f- second and long, right? Second and what, 16, 17? Okay, second and 21. You still feel like you have a chance. Then he takes a second sack, and you're thinking, oh, no, Maryland's going to start calling timeouts here. They got a chance to win this game. You just got to waste some time here. And then an intentional grounding because he threw the ball. And I don't know if he was just trying to throw the ball at, at somebody's feet or if he thought Blake Gerasati was a tight end or a running back. But he threw to a 300-pound man who caught the ball and ran it, which was kind of funny for a second. And then you realize, oh, that's a 10-yard penalty. That's going to take him closer to the goal line, half the distance of the goal. So you go from, as you said, maybe two plays away from a James McCourt long 50-something-yard field goal attempt. Yeah, or overtime, right? So, like, you just felt like, hey, get James McCourt a chance, get him to the 40, you know, kick the field goal, maybe you have a chance, or or you get to overtime. That felt like it was the worst possibility. No, Illinois found a way to get a worse possibility, which was give Maryland the ball in Illinois territory. And the defense really didn't have much of a chance anyway, but they gave up a 26-yard play right away. It's a chip shot field goal. Game's done, uh, barring some lucky miss by Maryland. There are so many moments in the game you can go back to, but that is one of the most despicable drives I've ever seen executed. And I want to get to this right away because I, it, it, is a, it is a huge deal. Illinois' offensive line was terrible today. Um, Brandon Peters got sacked six times. I don't think all of those are on the offensive line, but um, – Julian Pearl left the game. Doug Kramer was not in the game. So second-string offensive line men are in there. But Illinois has got a quarterback problem, man. They really do. Brandon Peters comes back, and, well, I think he's more talented than Arthur Sikowski. I don't know. Like I asked Brett Bielema after the game, did you just want to ride with, Brett Bielema, or with uh, Brandon Peters, or did you consider Art Sikowski? And he told us, I mean, from what he told us, it sounded like they considered Art Sikowski with two minutes left in the game, which is not a great sign for your starting quarterback who finished, what, 10 of 26 on the day. Um, now, some of that time is wide receivers not getting open. But I just – with Brandon, it feels more intangible at times, Joey. It just feels like, can he get out of a rut? And when that's what I was concerned about last year was – when things were going bad, he didn't lift his team out of it. And no matter what you can say about Artsikowski missing throws, whatever it is, it does feel like he can lift the team emotionally at times or he can make the, the check down throw that you might need to make. I think if Artsikowski is in the game for the last quarter, they might win that game. Now, this isn't the only thing that lost this game, right? There are many things, but – I don't know if I would have stuck with Brandon Peters the entire time. I, I just that last drive, especially given that he was not making plays, and this is stuff we've seen before. He just was not able to get this offense out of the rut. The best thing they did today was when they got the ball to the running backs on dump offs, and those aren't a lot of Brandon Peters doing a lot of things. So I'm not trying to pile on him, but Illinois got a quarterback problem, and Brandon Peters was not the solution today. Yeah, and I think a lot of the stuff 
that you heard through the spring, the, the way that Isaiah commands a room, Isaiah Williams that is, uh, the way that Art commands a room you heard in training camp and through the last two weeks, you don't see it until you see it, right, on the football field. And I feel like we did see it a little bit tonight where it just spiraled. I, you were talking about one of the worst drives you had ever seen on that last drive. And I, I thought there was one that flirted with that a little bit earlier. Josh McRae, two-yard run, a huge run called back by a hold, right? This was in the third quarter, which really would have given them a chance to go up 17-10. You get a holding, no, no yards, false start, a chop block, incompletion, and you punt it on fourth and 32. Twice they had those drives. And I know I'm getting a little off topic, but. No, here's, here's another one. Seth Coleman has the play of the game. And, you, and you've talked about this. Brett Bielma talked about one play that can change a season, right? And Illinois, it's 10-10 to 10 at that point, I believe. And Seth Coleman steals the ball away from the running back. Uh, I think it was Johnny Newton kept the running back up, and Seth Coleman just strips it from him, goes to the sideline, tells Brett Bielma, review that. I got that ball, and he was right. So you give the Illinois offense the ball at about the 30-yard line. Brandon Peters, 25-yard line. Brandon Peters on the first play throws an interception on a terrible ball to Luke Ford. And you're thinking, this is the moment. Like, that's the moment I'm like, I don't think you can play him. I, I think you, you have to take him out. He is not giving you what you need. Because the one thing you can't do in that situation is turn it over. You already have three points to take the lead. Your job as a quarterback is to make sure you get points, even if it's a field goal, because your defense gifted you that. And the defense was gifting the offense opportunities the entire first 55 minutes right and the offense gets a field goal block the offense gets a, a turnover the the drive you were just talking about where uh penalty really screws it up and all of a sudden they have to punt yet again those are drives that you just can't have and there was so many moments like that throughout the night where we just missed opportunity i mean illinois gets into maryland territory the first uh three times i believe in the first half they come out with three points that stuff can't happen. And, and Brandon Peters finishing 10 of 26, 185 yards, taking six sacks, the penalties, but really just uh, not being able to, to lift the offense, I, I thought was, was really disconcerting. And I wonder if the staff goes back and looks at this and says, is this guy we go with next week at, at Purdue? Um, you're looking to see what do you have in Brandon Peters. He did not make a good impression tonight, and neither did the entire offense. And here's the thing, and you hate to be like this, this staff doesn't know anything to Brandon Peters. They met the guy in December. And I don't know that I'm saying that Art's a better option. I probably need a little more time to think about it, but it's exactly what you, those two plays. The flip, when Seth Coleman took that out, I tweeted it, I looked at you, I thought, that's it. That is what Brett Bielema stood in some – Small room in Virginia a week ago and said that's that's it. That that is the play, the galvanizing moment. The defense was going nutso on the side. It, it, that was it. And then I don't like you can't even script it better to have the literal next play. I I, I don't know. I, that maybe Art is a better pick. And I remember a week ago we said. Really, guys? Uh, you know, fans want think art is the pay, and I don't know. So I, I, I don't, I don't want to get too far down there where, uh, because I think Brandon is a more talented quarterback, but there's a reason 
and Brett Bielema and Tony Peterson are talking as much to us and to fans as they are talking to inside the Smith Center when they come up to these press conferences. There's a reason they mention these things that Art does. And I just think, you know, you can agree, you can disagree, but that matters a lot to them. And there, there were times the defense begged Brandon Peters to go down and do something. I, the blocked field goal in the first quarter, Brett brought I, it's just so many, so many things. Jamal Woods even said after the game, we got the ball. We gave the offense the ball. They got to find a way to score. Think about with those defensive guys. Like, yeah, they, they did not have a good final five minutes, right? The defense didn't. And Maryland was driving a lot in the second half, but the defense made big plays to turn the tide. I mean, you win the turnover battle. On third downs, the defense was fantastic tonight. So I just want, I want to tip my cap to Ryan Walters and his, his defense. I know they gave up 480 yards, a lot of that late. Uh, to lay a Chunga Vailoa is a very good quarterback. They got some very good wide receivers. They kept most of that stuff in front of them, right? I thought they did a really good job. And Quan Martin made a couple huge plays tonight. The force fumble, big hit on Teon Fleet Davis. Uh, also the pass breakup on a potential touchdown. I think it was Rakeem Jarrett or Dante Demas. I, I couldn't remember which player, but made some big plays. Um, it's just they made those plays. But the offense, like the complimentary football that Brett Bielema talks about, they haven't been able to have it. They haven't had it this year so far. And it's got to be so frustrating for the defensive side of the ball that they held a Maryland offense. If we said Maryland's only scoring 20 points, we're saying Illinois is winning that game, or they should win that game. Yeah, you know what? I absolutely agree. Ryan Walters and his defense should go to bed and feel okay tonight. And there was a lot of things written and said about that defense over the course of the last two weeks, all of it justified all of it warranted, all of it based on what they had done on the field, that probably pissed them off. And they came out and they played good enough to win this football game for the first time since probably week zero. And there, there was a lot of Nebraska vibes to this, I thought. I, I thought in week zero, Nebraska really begged Illinois to win and probably did just enough to get the heck out of the way and let Illinois get there. And Maryland begged Illinois to win this football game. And, you know, we, we sat here and we – Brandon Peters deserves some of the criticism that he's getting. Tony Peterson deserves some criticism too because he also did not put his team in the best position to win this football game at times. And some of these runs right up the gut, this might not be the answer. And I know there's some consternation and some frustration about the tight ends. Look, they tried. They tried that. Yeah. Uh, hats, I mean, call it what it is. They, they gave it a shot. Yeah, and I, I want to share my honesty with this. Like, I have not been impressed by Tony Peterson the first four weeks. I, I don't know. There was times he tried to get the ball to the tight ends. I know that's a big thing. Uh, either Peters didn't hit him, the tight ends weren't open, or the play was blown up. There were several times that happened. Uh, Isaiah Williams, would he have two touches tonight? Um, throwing the ball, this is the thing that really got me. First and five at the seven-yard line. Chase Brown does not get the ball. Brandon Peters throws the ball three times. Now, one of those plays I actually liked. It was trying to get the ball to Daniel Barker in the flat or running back in the flat or one of the wide receivers uh, on a crosser. I actually didn't mind that play. But at some point, Chase Brown has to get the ball with the way he was playing. I don't understand that. I, I, I can't for the life of me. I just don't know what this team's identity is. It feels like they think this can be a smash-mouth team. And, hey, the running backs did get going. At times, I mean, Chase Brown was fantastic tonight, but he left with an injury after 111 total yards through, what, two and a half quarters. Josh McCray, 
went to the hospital, Brett Bielma said. We don't know what, for, what the injury was for him. That's really concerning uh, because those two were really good. And even Reggie Love had his moments, including the long run he fumbled and Casey Washington scooped and scored. Um, but it felt like it was just kind of getting those guys in space. And the offensive line did get going a little bit in the second half with the run game. But it just it feels like at times he thinks this is a, a Wisconsin offensive line that can just mow, mow over people. And it just isn't that kind of offensive line. It just isn't that kind of – so getting them in space, getting them moving, I think is very important. But i I got to be honest, I haven't been impressed by, by Tony Peterson's offense so far. I don't know what their identity is. And I don't know if he has put these guys in the best positions to succeed. There was another drive they got. And I think this is the drive in the first quarter. Don't Don't – you know, I don't say that with a ton of certainty, but it was first and 10 at the 11. They had just gotten the big uh, Josh McCray run, the, the catch and run down the sideline there at the 11, and Jakari Norwood's in the game. And we looked at each other and we said, why is Chase Brown not out there? Now Chase came in on the next play, and maybe you were trying to, to get something going with Jakari, but Chase averaged four and a half, I, I want to say I'm, I'm looking now, 4.1 yards a carry at the 11. That plays. Get the ball to him. I, I just don't understand that. I mean, that dance with who brought you and Chase and Josh McCray were the guys. I just there are some perplexing decisions out there, and I, I still don't think that was as egregious as the three straight passes down there, which really was in the second quarter. Um, I, I believe, yeah, later in the second quarter, you settle for a tying field goal. Hey, man, that wins you now. You're, and maybe maybe it runs and it doesn't go in, but you've run into some time that I thought really could have passed. I, I just I have, I have some questions for Tony Peterson on Monday. I think all of them are warranted. Uh, I just want to understand his thought process, and, and I want to know what his identity is in his mind. And, and I did ask Brett Bielma about the fourth and one. So Illinois had the ball uh, just under five minutes left, fourth and one at their own 45, I believe, or at uh, – Maryland 45. So they were on the other side of the ball, uh, other side of the 50. They had a chance to potentially, if they get a first down, seal away the victory or at least milk another two minutes off the clock before Maryland can get the ball. And that would have been game. I mean, really, I mean, at least it would have forced overtime, right? If Maryland would have had to drove the field in about three minutes. Uh, you and I were on the sideline talking with another reporter, and they were saying, oh, you got to go for this. And I said, ah, fourth and one. You know, I, I get you want to be aggressive. It's easy for us to say that, but your defense has been playing well for the most part. You, you force them into, like, if, if you give them the ball at the 50, they're going to score. If you give them the ball at the 10 or the 12, like they did, you have a chance, right? They, they, you feel like you got to. You made them go yeah. six yards, and they did it. And you just did it in eight plays. That was the That problem. was a concern. And Blake Hayes did his job. And look, right now, it's easy to say run the ball, right? You lose the yes. game, it's easy to say you run it and it's over. That would have happened. They get it and they win. Otherwise, you're looking at this, and if you're a fan, you're saying, why in the world and then, did they not have the MVP, probably the front runner for the Ray Guy Award, pin them down there and make Maryland go when the defense is held up? So I, I get Brett Bielema's thought process, and, and I know he did. You know, he, He's told his coaches on that last drive, we, we're not here to tie. Go win this thing. Yeah, you know, you probably could have applied that in the drive before and tried to get the first. I, you just don't think they're going to go 86 in that amount of time. And that, that's a tall task for a college offense to go. And Maryland did it. And you give Maryland credit and you, you look at Illinois' defense and say, my God, you hung in there. For, for, and that's not a win. I know that's not, no one's here for moral victories. 
But if the way it all played out, I probably would have done the same. And, and trust your guys because they were getting some pressure. They were making Talia uncomfortable and got him. Yeah, like the defense shouldn't hang its head even after that, that long drive uh, to tie the game and, and, and the late field goal. Like the defense did enough to win this game. Um, the offense – Certainly did not. So where does Illinois go from here? I, I mean, you think in Joey, if you found a way to close this game, you had two terrible losses the two previous weeks, but you're 2-0 in Big Ten play. You're going to Purdue. Who goes to Notre Dame this weekend? I, I think Purdue will lose that game, despite Notre Dame not looking great so far. Um, but that feels like a winnable game. And it still is a winnable game. But – it doesn't feel like it's meaningful now. Like now, a bowl game seems very unlikely with the way you've you lost a huge game here, UTSA. I mean, you've lost those two games by 10 points. You had no margin for error. But you're just looking to build on something. And now, at 1-3, and three, there's a huge hole to build out if you want to get to a bowl game. I don't think that's really realistic for this team right now. But you still got a chance to get to 500 by the – the midway point of the season, uh, but how can you think that this team's going to do it? Because they keep finding ways to lose these close games against UTSA and now um, Maryland tonight. You know, we talked about this after the Nebraska game, that there's always going to be this team is going to live in those razor-thin razor margins. Yeah. And this is a different tenor, and it just so happened that this was not a comeback fell short against UTSA. This was stealing a loss from the jaws of victory, right? And that's what they they did. And so so what is next? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I predicted a bowl game. I was uh, I would describe that as foolish now as we sit here. But can, can you salvage any level of momentum, right? Can, can you salvage anything with some of these younger guys to get them out there? And, and can, can we mention this? Yeah, um, Seth Coleman, we've been wanting to see more of him. This is why. He's, he's one of the most talented players on the field. He did not tell us much after the game about himself, but he is one of the most talented players. And he came up with big play after big play. He had a pass breakup at the line of scrimmage, tackle for loss, two stops on the first drive that I thought was really important for that defense to gain a little bit of confidence early on. I thought Tavion Nicholson was pretty good. I thought it was an improvement. I mean, Illinois did bench two seniors today. One was a captain. Yeah, Tony really? Adams. You sent Tony Adams out for the coin toss as a senior captain on this team and you benched him on the first drive. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but step back and understand what message that was and the magnitude of that decision. Now, the play, frankly, it's probably it's, it's warranted. If Tony Adams was not a senior captain, this would not be a discussion because he's not played like he should start. But that is Brad Bielema. To me, that is a striking message to say. And he did it with Isaiah Gay as well. I that was, that was less surprising seeing Seth Coleman to me than it was to see them bench Tony Adams. I, I just again I understand from the play, but there, there's some things where you think, would they really? You know, uh, how much better is Taz? Well, he played pretty well, and Aaron Henry had kind of been singing his praises a little bit um, coming into the season. And you know, I don't know, but I'm not saying sit all the seniors. That's stupid. But you got to see what you got, and what you have is a young running back in Josh McCray who looks like he could be on the cusp of being an issue. He looks really 
really good. See how healthy. We'll see. Yeah, that's the, the overwhelming concern here. Uh, and Seth Coleman was was good. Taz Nicholson was good. You, you're starting to. See, I wouldn't say good. Seth was good objectively, just really, really good. Taz w- was fine out there, but w- I don't know. I, w- Kirby Joseph that? made some plays. You know, Derek Smith didn't play a lot tonight, and I think that was for the better. And Kirby made some plays tonight. Um, I also. Like, so where do they go from here? I think they have to evaluate the quarterback position. I, yeah. who, who is your guy that you think you can compete with? If they, if the defense can give you a chance like this each week, I think Art Sikowski is the better fit for your complimentary football because I just he's – he's not good enough to lift you to the level that you eventually want to get to, but I just feel like he can dig you out – uh, and compete. I, I just didn't see enough competitiveness out of Brandon Peters at times today, and the body language at times is not very good. So you got to evaluate that, and you got to evaluate wide receiver. Um, they just are not gaining separation. I will give this to Peters. He did, the receivers were not getting separation outside of Isaiah Williams today. The tight ends were not getting separation either. Um, and you got a couple talented guys who have been injured. But is, Jafar, is it time for Javar Armstrong to just play? Is Where it, is Brian Hightower? Is it time for Brian Hightower? I was getting to him, too. Is, is it time for Brian Hightower to play? And, and I'm not going to throw Marquez Beeson out there yet because he hasn't been healthy and he just hasn't played this position. But it's time to evaluate that because the receivers you're playing uh, just are not producing quite enough. I think Donnie Navarro's solid, but I, th- I think we know he can be limited. Uh, Casey Washington had the fumble recovery, but um, he wasn't gaining separation, hasn't for most of the season. I think everything on that offense, especially with those skill players, offensive line, I think it just is what it is. Um, I would move Alex Pacheski to guard and Julian Pearl to tackle, assuming Julian Pearl is healthy, but there's just not many options right now with, with the injuries they have. Yeah, and now at this point, for us, we look at this and say, I, I have to imagine their fingers crossed that somebody is going to be sitting in that transfer portal come the offseason to save this thing because there's, there's not anybody right now with a high ceiling, right, that, that we've seen at quarterback. at quarterback, yeah, that we've seen out there. And, and I'm with you. The wide receivers didn't help. I, I have no wild idea where Brian Hightower is. I, I just don't. You know, he's he, on the sideline dressed. Yeah, he's, he's allegedly been practicing. Jafar Armstrong. I, what's going on there? I, you know, frankly, at this point, maybe it's time, it's time to see more Dale Von Campbell at, at all. I mean, he's a big guy out there. I, I don't know, you know. And look, we have to say, we're not at practice. We don't know these things. But what we do see is production not on the table on the field. And Brett Bielma told us four games in is usually a good measure of what you have. Um, we saw switches today. I just think there has to be discussion of making more switches. And we can say the running back position, they made switches, right? Like Chase Brown, Josh McCray, and Jakari Norwood were their guys. Kudos to Reggie Love for, for having a couple good carries late. But um, So they've made some changes, and I wonder if they got to make further ones because this is not the team they envision. No, and, you know, it, I, I, I'm, I'm the running back thing, the more I sit on it, that's kind of surprising a little bit that – Chase Hayden, your guy from Arkansas, he had one carry last week, nothing this week. Reggie Love, who we thought, and we there was enough positive buzz about him that like they really, really liked what they saw out of him. Brett Bielma effectively told us, he said, we had trimmed it down to two, Chase Brown, Josh McCray. That decision looks wise. 
and Jakari Norwood was kind of, and I get that Jakari's a change of pace, but that tells me Reggie Love, Chase Hayden were not in the plans. That, that just wasn't in the cards, which is an interesting move. And and I, I think Jeremy, we thought like they're gonna have to trim this thing back a little bit. There's just too many too many cooks in the kitchen here. You can't can't let anyone get going. But I, I, now the question is, what moves are on the table to make? You know, you, you go with Art. That that could be one. But at some point, this roster, this team is what it is, and Brett Bielema had a very interesting, I know you and I had talked about this from his Wednesday press conference, you would ask him about the scholarship allocation and how that planned on it. He had a very interesting quote, I'm pulling it up here now, to paraphrase, you know, we got to get our roster on par with, with our competition, and that was uh, that was a pretty telling um, conversation there from Brett Bielema. Let me find it. Yeah, and I think we all see it, right? But to, yeah. but to hear him start to say that mid-season, it's clear they have learned a lot about their roster compared to the rosters they're playing against. That there's a lot of work to do here. There's a lot of work to do, not only with the roster but with the guys they have to learn how to play smart football. I mean that that drive offensively was some of the worst ball I've ever seen. I mean, just the execution of it and the, the lack of awareness of your quarterback. And I, I, he's a he's a Big Ten quarterback, right? He's got to take this. Like you can't. And Brett B. almost said this afternoon. You can't take those sacks. You can't just willingly take those sacks and then to make the mistake of that penalty. It's one of the worst drives I've ever seen, and it cost you the game. For the mo- I, there's so many other moments that, that but that in that moment when you needed a play or to avoid a bad play, it all just snowballed. Minimally, it costs you overtime. Right, and that's that's what I mean. It's just, and that's just a microcosm of, of what the last five minutes were. Even after- I, I, I just can't get over. That drive, <laughs> I just can't get over. It's, okay, we'll go through it. Not the whole situation. First and ten, the thirty-six yard line. Minimally, you take some knees. Like, obviously, you go to win the game, and you punt it, and you say, "Catch you in overtime." They went backwards, Jeremy, from the thirty-six to the seven. That is twenty-nine yards. So Maryland gets the ball, at the Illinois forty-six yard line. Oh, they're already over midfield. That would have put them at about their own 30, give or take. Uh, someone's going to correct my math. I'm going to look like a fool. I don't care. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. That is – they're not – almost likely Maryland probably wouldn't have been incredibly aggressive at that point. So you're in overtime, and you, and you live to fight another snap. Instead, sack, sack, Blake Gerasati – Catches it. God bless him. I suppose I don't know, it didn't really accomplish anything. I like, thought it was cool at the moment. Yeah, like, oh, we can't do that. Yeah, it hurt like a bee sting. <laughs> but and then, I, t- I took a picture of it. It was fourth and thirty-seven. Fifty-five seconds left, and I just I, I had to I had to take a picture of it just to be like that happened. That I mean that game just happened. I I just I have covered so many Illinois football games. That have been brutal to watch. Like the Virginia one is so much easier to take because you weren't even in the game. They were just a different level than you. As you said, this Maryland played like Nebraska. 
They, they gave you opportunities to win that game. I thought Illinois' defensive line outplayed um, you know Maryland's offensive line. Stand up, Rod Perry, man. Yeah, you I were think... a difference maker on that defensive line. He looked darn good, as good as we've seen him since week one. I thought Johnny Newton had a good game. We know Seth Coleman did. Owen Carney came up with a big sack to, to force a punt. Like I thought they played well. I thought the defensive backs kept things in front of them and made some big plays, including Quan Martin with two big ones. I, I just I thought – that they there were so many good moments from that defense, and then the offense was just poo poo stinky. It was just, <laughs> but that was like the stinkiest, Joey. Like it was just, how does that happen? <laughs> they faced fourth and thirty plus twice in one night. Is that on a bingo card from hell somewhere? What what is that? I just, I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like we we, I have no idea. That last drive was – The last five minutes are just something I think we'll remember. I, I'm going through these seasons, and the the Paterno game, his last win ever, his last game ever, um, that was brutal. That was a really brutal loss for I, Illinois. I, think I haven't been on the beat as long as you, so I'm going back. There was some – I'm with you, like – I mean, I've seen so many uncompetitive ones sure, that yeah. were brutal to watch because it was uncompetitive, but most people were just tuned out by that time. You felt like you were on the verge of the first 2-0 and start. Eastern Michigan was a trash lost. Yes, but again, you had to come back and have a chance yeah, to even win that yeah. game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, even uh, against UTSA, that felt like UTSA, where it was like you come back sure. and it was a fake rally. This would have been like taking the lead against Wisconsin and then blowing it, right? <laughs> or something like that a, a couple of years ago. Like this Michigan State a couple of years ago, that was like one of the most brutal losses in their history, I'm sure. But I just to steal a loss from the jaws of victory like that, it's like even for Illinois, that was that was something to behold. And it was – it was just a bad look. It was just a bad look for everybody, everybody on the offensive side of the ball, um, and just terrible execution down the stretch. And I don't know what Brum was thinking right now, but I can't imagine how they all feel because I know how Illini fans feel right now. I know. I, I mean, even my stomach was dropping. Like this is going to happen. Like I'm going to go from covering this feel-good win to. I got to ask these guys what you're like, how does this feel? And to hear Casey Washington just tell me over and over, it sucks. It sucks. It sucks. Jamal Woods called it heartbreaking. And to pull back the curtain, you and I are sitting, standing rather, under the goalpost in what turned out to be where Blake Hayes effectively was standing next to us, really, uh, on his punt. And, and before it, we all, we, I said, all right, what are our angles if they win here? Probably the defense is one. And I don't know, is it Brandon? Is it the running game? Is it a big picture? In my mind, I thought they won this football game. I, I mean, this is – maybe they're waiting for Big Ten play. I kind of joked to and I, And I just – you watch it and you think, no, 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 they're not going to do that, are they? They're not going to go backwards, right? I, I, that can't happen. And then we're walking back from, from the post game, and I, what are the words? I guess that's what we're paid to do, and that's probably. That's what we got to figure out. Probably got to figure it out. Yeah, uh, we got to figure that out. It is now 1:26. It's time to wrap this up. It is just brutal. Just brutal. I hope you guys listen to this in the morning. If you're up at 1:30, listen to this. I'm sorry, man, lady. I'm sorry. That's that's the 
I'm sure it was a rough night. That was that was brutal. Uh, that's paid to find words, and I just keep coming back to the one, man. Brutal. All right. We'll continue covering this team. Uh, man, they got to find a way to, to find something. We'll see what Brett Bielma, Tony Peterson, Ryan Walters, and his staff can come up with. Um, they they got to get better. They got to find a way to, to get this program out of this because you felt good a couple weeks ago, and these – these last three losses just feel like they're more brutal each time Each time you've had them. That'll do it for Joey Wagner and I here at Memorial Stadium. Um, yeah, check out the content. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time on the Alana Inquirer Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.